0: Yo, Kevin. Aaron, how you doing, man? Doing all right. What's cracking, man? How's, uh, how's lockdown? Oh, uh, you know, I'm surviving. I'm surviving. That's about, that's about all you can do right now, right? It's just, how's it's life? Life's weird. It's, it's, yeah. it's unusual. You know, it's, um, I don't know. I just feel like it's just not something that we're born knowing how to deal with. Yeah, that, I th- that totally makes any agree it's with sense. It's like you. we're just making shit up as we go. It's like we're yeah. doing our best, and I, you know, we're all in this together. Whatever that means or looks like, but man, it's it's something. And then God bless the teachers, man. Because I yeah,
1: so it's a learning experience,
0: huh? <laughs> well, I'm yeah. Well, I'm learning how to be his part time teacher. And they do some stuff virtually, which is cool. And they, they're doing an increasingly better job at it. But then I'm also That's trying good. to do my own work at the same time, which is, which is its own challenge. It's like, if I decided to do one or the other, we could probably handle it, but it's just like everything's just coming at us. And then my wife is still going into work. They haven't figured out their telework situation yet. Yeah. So I've been on my own Monday through Friday, just yeah. me, and the, me and the kids. And then my four-year-old, she's not in school. So she doesn't have anything that she has to do. So like, I've got to sort of keep her entertained while I'm working with my son who's in first grade. So just like, and we can't go anywhere. We can't do anything.
1: <laughs> oh man. I understand. And we're, we're like on complete lockdown. Cause we were, uh, we were out of the country when all this went down. So, so we're on. Fourteen days of quarantine where we're not even allowed to leave the house. So but most what, the, the closest I've got so far is I walked out to the to the street to take my garbage out. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my god, it's amazing!" High adventure. <laughs> Talk about family travel.
0: Yeah, wandering, <laughs> wandering to the garbage and back. Yeah. <laughs> Did you any Instagrammable moments there on your walk to the garbage? Oh well I can tell you there was this there was this one like
1: spot where the sun was shining and uh, it was it was it was it was extravagant and I, I called my kids out and I was like, Oh my god, guys, like come hang out here in the sunbeam. It's like the best thing I've felt in like four days. And we like literally like spent like four, four four or five minutes just sitting there in the sun Ugh. between the two cars and, and just kinda you know waiting for it all to pass. Just
0: yeah, just basking. Man, it makes you appreciate some of those little things. Does it ever? Walks to the garbage, a little bit of sunshine on your skin. So tell me about. So, here, actually, before I move on, yeah. here's what I would. Yeah, yeah. Let me tell you what I would like to do with this interview. You got it. And then okay. you tell me what you're comfortable with. You seem like a pretty freewheeling kind of guy. So, what I'd like to do is have. Basically, the conversation that we're having now, and we can even use the conversation that we're having now, and to put out for kind of immediate, time-sensitive release, and then okay. we'll have or the evergreen portion of the conversation that we can put out a little bit later. I'm not sure exactly when when it, when it's appropriate, because I'm still feeling my way around this from a content creator standpoint, as you maybe are as well. Like, what's appropriate right now? Do people want to like? travel off in their mind and forget about all this, or they want to just like talk about how we're all surviving this together. And I, I tend yeah. to err more on the, on option B it's like, let's just talk about not like focus, not talk about virus 24 seven, like that they got news outlets for that, but like just talk about the human side of it all.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's the right way to go because, I mean, it is a weird time, I'm, but it's a time that's going to pass. And, uh, you know, when it does, hopefully hopefully sooner than later, mm-hmm. uh, I think people are going to be looking for things to do and, and places to go. And, you know, once they get over the financial impact of right. what, whatever this is going to cause. And, um, yeah, I, I, I think it, just be real, man. I mean, I'm going to be real. I can be real. Even if I'm faking it, I'm so real.
0: Fake it. <laughs> you're so you're, you're so fake it's real, or you're so real it's fake. I'm not sure which one. I don't know. Either one works. Either one works. Out. We're just gonna go with it for now. <laughs> so let's start on that. Okay, so you're in quarantine, like official legit quarantine, not just
1: on I am it's I will get a massive fine if I leave my house right now.
0: And yeah. that is based on what? I know that you've taken some travels. Let's talk about those.
1: Yeah, we were in Egypt uh, when all of this went down. So we, we, we left for Egypt right at the beginning of March. And uh, about halfway, you know, five or six days into the trip, we started hearing rumors kind of about just how serious everything was getting. Um, and we, uh, we ended up on a, on a Nile cruise. And there was eight passengers on the whole ship. And we were kind of looking around, like, "Wow, this is this is weird." What was like, the
0: capacity? Is, How many were there supposed supposed? Uh, be? probably close to two hundred. Oh man,
1: yeah. And uh, so, it, yeah, it was it was weird. And and uh, then when we got off, we we had a day in Luxor, and then we we had a drive about a six hour drive from uh, the town of Luxor to Hurghada, which is on the Red Sea, and. Along that way, we had like no cell service or anything. So when we got to the city, everything had changed. Um, The um, first of all, there was like an announcement from the Canadian Prime Minister saying that uh, you know we're going to be locking down travel within the country. If you are outside of the country, you need to start thinking about getting back. And uh, about four hours later, there was an announcement from the Egyptian president saying, uh, we're in 48 hours, we are going to lock down all the airspace in the country, and there will be no flights allowed in or out of the country. So uh, that kind of began a, uh, you know, desperate search of how the heck are we going to get out of here, because our flight wasn't until four days after the shutdown occurred. So we had to try to sort out uh, a flight out of the country, and and we you know we were work- luckily working with a really incredible uh, travel agency in uh, in Egypt called Traveline Egypt, and they were uh, they were on point the whole time. They were constantly in communication with us and working with us back and forth. And we were trying to figure out if we we're going to drive the eight hours from Hurghada to Cairo and just kind of hope our best for a plane or. Uh, strategize something else. And uh, they had about a hundred people on the ground kind of scattered across the country. And uh, we were on the very last flight out of Cairo uh, before the airspace shutdown occurred. And from my understanding, talking with them is they were able to get everybody out,
0: which which is really a heck of a logistic achievement. What was the name of that travel agency in Egypt again? Uh, travel line, Egypt, travel line, Egypt. Just want to make yeah. sure we said that loud and proud and, and gave them a Absolutely. shout out because yeah, I could really hear great. as you were t- talking about working with your, your travel agency. I could hear the travel advisor community worldwide giving you this epic virtual <laughs> round of applause for, for booking your trip through a, a travel agent and then having <laughs> someone to call when you were uncertain about your, your future.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it really, it really went to show just, uh, I mean, we talked to a lot of people who were on the ground uh, while we were there and uh, it goes to show you what dealing with a a quality travel advisor uh, will do for you because a lot of people who weren't dealing with either reputable or local uh, travel advisors were, were often left in a situation that was, that was tough so picking your partners is is an important thing. I think, uh, you know, you go through and you make sure that the, that the partners that you are dealing with are, are known for uh, doing it right.
0: Well, you bring an interesting perspective to this global pandemic and that you were away from home, not just away from home, you were in Egypt when things were really starting to, to change at a rapid pace. So how did your own attitude about the about the threat of coronavirus, how did your own attitude change over the course of that trip to Egypt before coming home? All right, like in terms of dealing with the pandemic? Well, I'm just, I'm just imagining, okay, you, you made the choice to go ahead and, and take the trip. So that sort of kind of showed where you're, you know, you're, you're leaping off point as far as your attitude. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then by the time you circled back and back to your home in Canada, so much had changed. I'm just curious how your own attitude and your own feelings about the virus changed during that time.
1: When we were in Egypt, uh, I'll be honest that we we were we were pretty calm about the whole thing. I mean, everyone was was doing a pretty good job of maintaining distance, and we were outside constantly, um, you know, in the sun and and um, the fresh air, and we weren't among crowds all that much, so there wasn't a lot of anxiety about catching it from anybody um uh, when we were on the cruise they were sanitizing everything they we had, you know everyone had their temperature checked before and during the trip all 8 of you uh, all 8 of us yes mm-hmm. it was it was an it was an undertaking <laughs> and i think they did it at dinner <laughs> and um but um yeah but you know when it was time to come home the real concern for us was really in the travel process. I mean, when you're packed into airports and airplanes and and things like that, in close proximity to people, obviously that's something of concern. You know, every every time anybody coughs or you cough, you can see the eyes go and and uh, <laughs> yeah, you know everyone everyone shifts just a little further from whatever direction the sound came in. Um, and then when we got home, I mean, there wasn't much that we could do along the way apart from just do our best to stay healthy and to make sure that we weren't touching our faces and that we weren't, uh, you know, in the off chance that we were sick ourselves, that we weren't, you know, touching a lot of things and, and, uh, and uh, you know, possibly contaminating things. And then, you know, the second we went home, we, you know, recognize that the right thing to do now is to is to go and lock ourselves in our house for the next two weeks and uh, and not come out and and that's what we're doing. We're about halfway through that process now, and even when we're allowed to go outside, really, the, you know, the proper thing to do is to limit whatever we're going to be doing when we get out there. So, you know, maybe maybe to get some groceries as much as as much as possible, we'll probably. You know, aim for grocery delivery and things like that because we're fortunate enough to live in a place where that where that's a reality. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we might get out for a walk now and then, and just give people space when we go past. And again, try to do that same thing where we uh, where we're maintaining as much distance as possible with the people that are around us.
0: I'm kind of realizing now that we haven't really properly. Set the stage about who you are and who, and who oh. you're you were with. I mean, this is Family Travel Radio, so we presume this is a family trip. I know it was a family trip because because <laughs> I know you, Kevin. But let's talk a little bit more about so who was with you on this trip to Egypt? So we can look at it from these various perspectives, not just your own.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I was traveling with my wife, Christina, and we have uh, two boys. Uh, my youngest son is six, and my oldest son turned nine on the trip. Yeah, it was a, it was an unfortunate situation. He was, uh, we had a a day of fishing and snorkeling set out for him. And unfortunately everything got scrapped because that was Mm. when we were in her And, uh, and, uh, you know, he was, he was not, he was not super happy with how his birthday turned out, but at the same time we got home and and that's really the, uh, the best gift of all.
0: So Egypt, that's a, that's a heck of a destination, not likely one that immediately pops to the minds of, parents in general, excluding you, of course, and, and other folks like you, but, uh, so how did you settle on Egypt? for this My trip? kids picked it. Actually, That's what, yeah, yeah. <laughs> say, That's what I was hoping you were going to say. That's what I was hoping you were going to say. Yeah. Uh, we, we've really
1: gotten into the habit of, uh, of getting our pick, kids to pick, uh, as many of our travel destinations as possible. I mean, Our family really focuses a lot on education, culture, and adventure when we do our, when we do our travel. So every time we're trying to pick a destination is based on something that the kids want to learn about. Uh, in this case, they were really pumped about seeing the uh, the, the uh, pyramids and learning about the pharaohs and the Egyptian culture and history. Uh, so we uh, we made some connections and and uh, and got that to work for them. The first first thing we did when we got there was to go see the pyramids, which are absolutely incredible.
0: So tell me about some of the successes. Obviously, like things like the snorkeling and the fishing trip got got shelved till so maybe another birthday. But tell me about some of the the highlights, some of the successes from that trip.
1: You know the whole as as crazy as the trip was, and it was crazy because you know a it's a big trip heading out there. It's you know a lot of flights, and we did a lot of driving. Uh, we also on our so we went from Cairo to a city called Siwa, uh, which is near the uh, border with Libya, and um, it's a very cool oasis town with an awesome history. Lots lots of cool stories. And when we were there, we were there for three days. And on the last day, uh, we got a call again from our awesome uh, uh, travel advisors saying that the worst storm in like 40 years was barreling down on that side of the country. And if we didn't leave for Cairo that night, like we're talking like we had about a two and a half hour turnaround from being in the middle of the desert sandboarding uh, down these huge sand dunes to, to... getting our stuff packed up, thrown in a van and making, uh, you know, an overnight nine hour drive from, uh, from Siwa to to Cairo. And, uh, and so see, we had that adventure. And then of course the lockdown, you know, tire blowout in the middle of the desert. It was, the whole trip was incredible. I mean, Siwa is this incredible town that I think anyone who visits Egypt should go see, uh, you know, when dune bashing and some old land cruisers and we, went sandboarding, went swimming in hot and cold springs in the middle of the desert, Um, met some absolutely amazing people and saw some cool things, went to Abu Simbel to see the cool temples that they had taken. They moved rock by rock from the floodplains when they built the the big dams and they moved them up to the mountains. You go there and you never know that these things, these massive structures, these giant epic statues on them had been moved like, you know, half a kilometer up from you know this this valley down below the whole the whole country was great i mean the food was amazing the people were incredible uh the history is just mind-blowing and uh yeah we hadn't we had an amazing time the kids loved every single second of it and it wasn't uh, you know it wasn't a super easy trip to make because egypt is a complicated city to kind of tra- uh, country to travel around but uh i mean that's that's the kind of stuff that we thrive on is this adventure and learning and getting in and kind of getting a little bit deeper into a country.
0: Let's dig a little bit more into that that mindset of of thriving on not just adventure but on uncertainty. You're talking about outrunning the storm and then of, of course throwing the the coronavirus all everything that was going on in this trip. This is not something that I think would sound on the surface at least appealing to the general parents of a 6 and a 9-year-old but the but you guys thrive on this. Tell me how how where did that mindset come from, and how can we how can we help other people adopt that mindset?
1: You know, when when my wife and I began traveling, when we when we first uh, were dating, she she's really the one who introduced me to travel, and uh, and we wouldn't stop when we went to a destination. Our our view of any place that we went to is we're going to travel this destination like it's the last time we have a chance to visit it and we want to get as much out of that trip as we can and uh when we married and started a family we we decided that you know let's let's keep going with that you know our travel passion we're going to share that with our kids because if they see us living what we love then that's going to inspire them to live what they love you know whether it's travel or whether it's something else and you know Every, every every child is going to grow up uh differently in their own mind but if they know that they're allowed to pursue their dreams then hopefully they will go and and live those dreams so we decided that we were just going to continue traveling the way that we travel and seeing the world and since then we you know we've taken our kids to iceland to jordan uh peru argentina uruguay uh China, the Philippines, uh, all over the place, and always trying to discover something new to to learn a little bit about ourselves and a little bit about the places that we're visiting.
0: Wow, that's, I love that you're, because I feel like there's people would, there's a lot of people that would say that, yeah, we want to do that. And they can even, it doesn't take much to get them to see the value in it, but then actually, Executing on it, you guys. Like you said, you and your wife did all the travel pre kids. Here come the babies. Yeah, we want to keep showing them the world. Not everyone would take that that next step and actually execute on it. What's what's special about you, Kevin?
1: <laughs> I don't know that there's anything special about me. Um, I understand the intimidation when you have a child, uh, and then taking them into an unknown destination. You know, you look at a place like, you know, the Caribbean or, or um, you know, Disney or something like that, and it's safe and it's warm and every photo of it has people with children and, and they're all happy uh, because not marketing works. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, and, and the, yeah, and those destinations are amazing. Uh, but I also know now... Because really, we didn't know when we first had kids. I mean, the first trip we went on was to Portugal when my oldest son was four months old. I think he was, and uh, you know, we had no idea what we were doing. We're, you know, we're going to try to go, and we tried to do it the safe route. picked a picked a you know hotel in a in a seaside town that was close to. The highway and then we just did day trips out from it and uh it wasn't as hard as we were expecting uh it wasn't as intimidating as we were expecting the idea of traveling with children wasn't wasn't this foreboding thing that was kind of weighing over us in fact if anything we found that going destinations with our children opened up so many possibilities uh Especially with the people, having kids is the best way to meet people when you're traveling. Because when you go to, you know, when you go to Disney, everyone there knows knows your. Everyone there has kids. No one cares about yours. But if you go to Egypt, somebody sees kids and they're like, "Oh my gosh!" And then they're on top of you and they want to know about you and they want to tell you about self. and uh, you know they want to invite you for tea and things like that. And you end up having this. Ex- Experience that you probably otherwise would have never had because people feel the a connection with you. They feel a vulnerability that maybe, you know,
0: a solar traveler or a couple traveler may not, may not present. Yeah, kids really are a great equalizer in that sense. And I remember when I saw you in January in New York, you and I were both there for the New York times travel show, crazy few days, hundreds of conversations. Don't remember all of them. But there was one conversation I had with you and, there, and I've told pretty much anyone who would listen what you said to me that night at, at a bar, you and I and Jeremy Simmons were talking, screaming at each other actually, because it was so <laughs> loud. My ears rang more after that night in that bar than at any, the loudest heavy metal concert I've ever been to. Anyway, but you said having kids in tow when you travel just brings out a kindness and a humanity in people that you just aren't expecting and in places that you wouldn't necessarily expect it in. I think the story you told involved your kids in Jordan, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah. When we went to Jordan, that was our, that was our first really epic uh, trip when, when we had two kids Uh, and we've been to a couple of places, uh, you know, Columbia and, and a few others, but um, we went to Jordan when my youngest son was just turning two And my oldest son was four and a half at the time. And, you know, Middle Eastern cultures in general, just love children. Like they're all over them. And it's a, it's a different kind of love. They, they, they express everything very hands-on and they're very touchy and feely with, with kids. If, If that's something that's weird to you, you will be weirded out when you go there because they like to touch faces and rub hair and, and things like that. Um, but, um, it was such a fascinating experience because it's a very, you know, male-driven society uh in Jordan. And every time I, you know, I, I'm I'm a hands-on dad. So I every time I was there changing my kids' diaper, uh either, you know, a guide or a passerby or you know, somebody, you know, that we were talking with would come up and say, That's that's really incredible what you're doing. Because here Men don't do that. <laughs> men don't touch the babies. Men men will teach them later on about the things that they need to learn about. But when the when the child's a baby, that's 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 the woman's job. And uh, you know, it, it, it led to some amazing conversations because there was, no, there was no judgment. There was nothing outside of. If anything, I think it was almost a bit of jealousy because people would look at it and they say, you know, I've, you know, maybe I've wanted to have that that connection with my child, but it's not the way things are done here so i can't really do it and uh and it may yeah it was, it was it was amazing and uh, you know women would would come by and they'd kind of you know laugh and you know mm-hmm. see a guy change, changing a diaper on the side of a 2000 year old roman ruin <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah it was it was great it was it was uh, again one of those moments where you really get to have a connection with people that you uh you get to break down a barrier that you might not have otherwise been able to break down.
0: Yeah. I I can see that. And maybe thinking of what's like the next best thing, maybe a dog, if you you (laughs) happen to encounter a dog lover, it's, it's a great icebreaker. It's a great conversation starter shows an an element of of humanity. You know, maybe if you're at the dog park and you're reaching down with the bag over your hand, picking up after (laughs) the dog, that might be similar to like the diaper situation. I don't know how people pick up after their dogs in the middle East. I digress. (laughs) But I just love your whole, your whole attitude. And it's, it's really is infectious in a great way. Word infectious is taking on a whole new meeting now. It's and uh, I can't <laughs> yeah, think of a better word. To let's
1: let's I, avoid that
0: one for some yeah, reason. I'm going to have to think of a better word to use in and the meantime.
1: No, we don't want to say, no, that we don't want to say contagious either.
0: <laughs> I'm just saying we love you, Kevin. The world loves you. The world needs you. But right now your world is inside your home. How, tell me how the, the kids are, are holding up, especially given that they are used to moving about. Quite a bit.
1: Shockingly, they're doing great. Uh, I, I I had a lot of intimidation about how they were going to handle indoor life, and they've been amazing. Uh, I think you know two arguments so far, and both of them they've they've managed to resolve themselves. You know, I'm learning this the whole homeschooling thing and uh, teaching them as we go. Um, you know, we're trying to add some structure in the day and. We don't have, you know, our kids don't have, uh, there's no kind of online plan uh, given by the school board. So we're kind of making it up as we go along using the curriculum books and trying to figure all that stuff out. And they've just finished making their projects on their trip to Egypt. Uh, my youngest did one on the pyramids and my oldest one did one on the Sea, sea of Sand in, uh, in Siwa. And they're going to present that to their mom tonight. So... That should be great. Maybe I'll videotape it. and all Yeah, you should. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, we've been working on that and, uh, and, you know, any chance we can kind of get out, you know, we, we're lucky enough to have a backyard. So anytime we can get out and yesterday, was beautiful. We went outside and we just, you know, played with the basketball in the backyard and enjoyed the sunshine for, for however long we can. It's kind of rainy and gross today, but, um, yeah, we're doing all right. We're doing all right. We're I'm certainly looking forward to the time that maybe I can, you know, pull up the kids' bikes and we can go for a bike ride or something like that and get a little get a little distance between us and the front door. Uh but uh but really good.
0: Well, as for yourself as a as a professional travel writer, photographer, what are you doing with yourself these days? I'm teaching my kids.
1: <laughs> hey, okay, good answer. <laughs> I'm uh yeah, I'm I'm doing my best to 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 navigate everything. Uh, I I decided, you know, I, I've got a lot, I've got. there's no lack of stuff I could write about. I've got loads and loads and loads of stuff. I just, just put out an article about our experience getting home from Egypt. And, uh, I've had some really great, uh, feedback from that, but, um, I actually decided, you know, Hey, maybe, maybe we'll put the travel stuff on, on hold and we'll figure out how we can get people to experience destinations at home, so I'm actually going out and I'm I'm researching a bunch of recipes for some of the countries that I that I've visited, uh, some some meals that I love to make at home. Because one of the great things about travel is the food you get to eat along the way, especially when you get to travel to to you know unique destinations. You get to experience some of the unique flavors that are that are there as well. So I said, well, okay, well, I love making. Uh, you know, traditional foods when I come home to try to remember the destination that I traveled to. So maybe I'll share some of my favorite ones. And, you know, we deal with a lot of families, families like to cook, they're always looking for new things to cook. So maybe we'll do that and writing up some articles on books that I love that kind of keep that travel inspiration alive. Because, you know, I think, you know, as we were talking about earlier, when 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 this is all over, people are going to want to go. They're going to want to go and experience things and explore the world and, you know, do whatever kind of vacation or travel plan or whatever it is that they love to do. Um, So the market may not be out there for people who are searching for that stuff now, but it will be. And I want to make sure that I have the resources that they need when they finally decide to go and make that trip or whenever this Magical sprinkle that has been spread upon us all has passed in the wind.
0: Well, and I think it's neat to have the opportunity. Not that you would wish this scenario on anyone, but the fact that we are in fact under the, a coronavirus pandemic, but it gives you as a as a content creator the opportunity to show off a side of yourself that you may not have gotten to otherwise. Kevin, the international chef. For example,
1: <laughs> well, I, I I wouldn't call myself a chef. I I, I would certainly call myself. Uh, I haven't I haven't burned anything <laughs> terribly yet, and w- when I do make it, it, it works. But it, I you know I only throw out ten to twenty percent <laughs>
0: of, of what I cook. <laughs> well, how serious are you about that recipe project? Because that sounds like that's a fascinating idea to me. Sounds like a heck of a heck of a way to spend your time. Were you just throwing that out or are you actually going to do that?
1: No, I actually, I actually just, just threw together the first one, uh, the other day I'll be launching it this Sunday. Uh, and then I'm going to try to do one every week. I'm going to pick a country every week. I'm going to pick my, uh, my, uh, my favorite dishes from each one of those countries. I'll probably do like Iceland, Jordan, Peru, uh, Philippines. That one should be easy because my wife's Filipino. And, um, get some of those awesome recipes that are out there so that people can, can go out and they can, you know, if they have a travel destination that they love, they can whip up a meal and these are all pretty easy ones because it's me. And, uh, <laughs> and then they can, uh, they can have a quick meal at home and, and share with their kids and relive some memories. Are you do it? are you going to do these in, in video format? You know what? I, I haven't yet because I've just kind of, I've just been putting together things based on, on my own memory, but, um, But yeah, I I probably could do that afterwards and say, you know, I'm just going to spend today whipping up these these things. I'll just videotape it and throw it out there, and away we go.
0: Now, do you have? I assume you have some some people, some contacts on the ground in the Philippines, given that your wife's Filipino. But some of the other places you mentioned, do you have any individuals in those countries you could reach out to for? To, for assistance in preparing some of these recipes. Cause I'm, I'm visualizing a video series in my head of you, you know, getting these cooking lessons from across the globe virtually and then trying to prepare it. And then maybe with your wife, you do a special episode where she hovers over you and tells you everything you're doing wrong when you're preparing <laughs> the Filipino lot, dish. <laughs>
1: <lot>. uh, <laughs> I, I should call, I should call it my adequate cooking series. <laughs> How to cook. Okay. With Kevin. <laughs>
0: adequate. Nu- yeah. Reasonably nutritious and adequate. Yeah. yeah something yeah, like that. Yeah. Definitely
1: flavorful, but we're not tired. I don't personally aim for presentation, but, uh,
0: good enough to eat with Kevin. There you go. Good, <laughs> good enough. enough. Good enough. Good to enough. Eat. <laughs> That's all you can do. Shut up and eat the food. <laughs> Shut- <laughs> don't make it too good. Cause then you're gonna have people lining up for door dash at your, at as your front I- door. As long as I keep
1: six feet out, then I can uh,
0: <laughs> throwable food with Kevin.
1: <laughs> d- drone delivery, you know? There you I go. Mean, I'm, not, I'm
0: not using my drone for anything uh, right now. I can't really go out and photograph. So I might as well use it for a uh, door food delivery. See, you're a man of the people, Kevin, and we love you for it. Well, since we've gone 35 full minutes here, uh, I'm going to pivot on my original idea. And folks out there listening in family travel radio land, is your you're experiencing this in real time. I really like the conversation we had. I felt like it was appropriate given the time. If we just put this out as it is, and then maybe we have you back on in a couple of months, get get an update and then maybe dive into more what you're up to on a under normal conditions, whatever that means.
1: I would love that. I mean,
0: any chance I get a chance to talk to you, Aaron is
1: a good day for me. So
0: that makes me feel good. I appreciate it. And likewise, so we might, since we've kind of done this episode completely unconventionally, let's stick to that. And I'm going to give Normally I would top read your bio at the top of the show, but how about I read it at the bottom of the show? Is there is the top of the show? Is the the bottom of the show? The opposite of that? I don't know. It's, so Kevin, before we do that, I, I forgive me for asking this question, but p- to pronounce your last name. Wagar. Wagar. Yeah. Wagar. It's, it's, it's what in, does it rhyme with? It, nothing. Nothing. Okay. No, yeah, it's like purple, yeah. orange, no rhymes. Yeah.
1: I mean it's 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 a universally mispronounced last name. I always get Wager, or Wagner, or whatever, but it's actually Wagar, but everyone just says Wagger. So
0: Wondering we- Waggar? Wagar. Is Maybe that right?
1: right. I, I try to pronounce it as proper, as phonetically as possible, so that people know how to actually find my stuff because my, my stuff's called Wandering Waggars with my last name. So if I don't pronounce that last A, nobody will nobody will properly find it.
0: So. Well, I'm imagining like if some, someone writing a dictionary and was trying to write out the phonetic pronunciation, I, I don't know what it would be. Because I, 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 I can phonetically write my name, if my name's a mouthful. Schlein. It's one syllable, but it's just a mouthful, but I can write it out to where most people can get it. But yours, you just got it. I think you got to hear it. It's, it's one of those
1: things. It Wa- is.
0: Wagar. Waggar. Is that my saying it right? You, you got it. You okay. nailed it. Okay. Kevin Wagar is an adventure and family travel writer based in on... <laughs> now I'm going to make myself giggle. <laughs> Kevin Waggar is an adventure family travel writer based in Toronto, Ontario, and he spent the past five years sharing stories of his family's travels around the world. Kevin has taken a unique approach to family travel. Instead of focusing on the traditional vacation, he uses family travel to teach his kids about culture, history, and themselves. Along the way, Kevin shares stories, guides, and photos on his website, wanderingwagars.com. He's also written for outlets such as Explore Magazine, Intrepid Travel, TripAdvisor, and more about his experiences. And that website, wanderingwagars.com, wandering, com. Kevin. Nailed it. Thank you for Nailed thank it. You very much. I'm a semi, semi-professional podcasting and good enough <laughs> cooking with Kevin. Hey, we're uh or dynamic duo, my friend. Uh, to,
1: together, we're adequate, my friend.
0: Together, we are just average, right in the middle of that <laughs> bell curve.
1: <laughs> Keeping uh, it even.
0: All right, buddy. Well, hey, we're going to have all this stuff linked up in the show notes as well at familytravel.org slash radio so you can learn more about what Kevin's got going on. We'll hook up your social links, everything you need to know so they can check out what, you're, what you've done, what you're doing, and then someday, hopefully soon, what you're, when you're back out in the world exploring. Really appreciate you, man. Thank you so much, Aaron. I really appreciate your time. You know that there's more to life than your work, but do your kids know? Last year, 55% of American parents didn't use all their vacation days. Taking time off to travel lets you show your kids different sides of the world and different sides of yourself, like the side that does things like this. Family travel is easier and more affordable than you might think. You brought them into this world. Now show it to them discover the possibilities at familytravel.org. Hey, it's Aaron Schlein. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of Family Travel Radio. All the notes for this episode and for every episode of the podcast are available at familytravel.org slash radio. All right, my friend, until we meet again, this is Aaron Schlein for Family Travel Radio, and I am signing off.